0: absolutely love New Year's Eve. Welcome to all who are watching on Daybreak Live. I'm so happy to be with you all today. And I love New Year's Eve because of the resolutions. And I've always loved New Year's Eve. I've always made a big deal out of it because I just love the concept of learning something new, having a goal for myself. So one year, One of my goals was learn how to make French macarons. Now, if you've never had them, they're this really, really difficult cookie to make. If you're a baker, then you might know what I'm talking about. If you're not a baker, I'm gonna explain, there are 15 steps to making these cookies, okay? And if you don't follow each step exactly, they will not turn out. For example, if you do not crack your eggs the day before, separate the yolk from the white, put the white in a bowl, put plastic wrap on top, poke it with toothpicks, and let it aerate overnight, they are not going to turn out. If you don't wipe down your bowl with vinegar, they will not turn out. And I'm going to give you an example of how they won't turn out from many of my failed... French macaron attempts that should pop up. So yeah, so when I tell you they're not edible, I mean they're not edible. Like they're a waste of time. But after months and months of trying, I finally did it. I finally made the perfect macarons as you can see. Yes, yes, this was an accomplishment. I completed my goal um, and it took, like I said, about six months. So. That was a fun goal that I had for a New Year's resolution. Another year when I was studying speech therapy, I thought I should learn American Sign Language. I took a class, I was learning it, I was good. Problem is, if you don't use it, you lose it. So now I only remember how to say, hi, how are you? and I don't know how to answer it. But that was something that I didn't stick with. I wish I would've, but after changing majors to ministry, I just didn't have the time to keep doing that. And then another year I wanted to read more. So once I was done with college, I found that now I can read for fun. It's not just for an assignment. So I had to fall back in love with reading. And that year I read 10 books, which isn't that impressive, but for me that was a big deal at the time. And now reading is part of my daily routine. So that's an example of, of a resolution I stuck with, and I keep doing, and it didn't fade, which is great, but I think that's the key when it comes to New Year's resets. It's looking at whatever change you want to make as a lifestyle change, something you want to bring into your life, something you know you need to take out from your life, and it's hard to be disciplined, but it is possible with the right people around you. So that's why my message title is, It's Not Just a Goal. Because it's not just a goal, it is an intentional change that you want to make. And that's what I want to hope that this Sunday morning you find the way that you want to reset. Now I know last year, me and my husband tried, as part of our one New Year's goal, was to learn Spanish. We thought, okay, this would be fun, we downloaded the app, we paid for it, we were doing it every single day. And then April came and he had to get his tonsils taken out. So we had to take a couple breaks. If you ever had that done, you know how incredibly painful that is. So he could not really talk for a while. But because of that, because of that break, we never went back. And that happens, you take a couple days off, it's no longer part of your routine, and then you never go back. So that's why it has to be that intentional change. So we're going to do round two. We're going to try it again this year. You got to be held accountable. So this is me holding myself accountable. We are going to try to learn Spanish again this year and not waste our money. Last year was also my first year of reset. Now, if you're not sure what RESET is, RESET is a daybreak event that we do here for the first 24 days of 2024, where we meet at 6 a.m., 6 p.m. for 24 minutes. So if you're ever lost, just think of 24, and you know what we're doing here. 6 a.m., 6 p.m., we meet in community, we hear teaching, we worship, we're going to have live worship this year, we're going to pray, and we're going to find ways that we could RESET. So we're starting January 2nd. And the areas of our RESET commitment are financial, spiritual, relationships or physical. If you're not sure which area, that's okay. You can take all of reset to determine what you want, or maybe you already know. The first one I want to talk about is spiritual, our spiritual reset. An example of a spiritual reset in the Bible comes from Luke 8, 43 through 48. And scripture says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she'd been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This woman knew that if she was simply in the presence of Jesus, if she could just reach out and touch him, she didn't have to explain herself. She didn't even have to ask him. She just had to touch his robe. She knew she would be healed. So that's what she knew. But what she learned is that she could not, in the presence of Jesus, she could not stay hidden. She could not hide. The things that we do in secret are never hidden. They're not hidden from God. He already knows what you struggle with, but the scary part for us is to admit that and bring that into the light. But as this woman was, we will be healed. When we take the time to spend time with Jesus, you will be seen, you will be known, and you will be healed. Maybe that could look like a long time with God, listening to worship music in the car, committing to attend church, maybe even making choices of what you're gonna let influence you, watch, consume. Another great way to spiritually reset is by doing a growth guide, joining a growth group. We're actually giving these one free of each one today in the back. So at, after the service is done, you can go to Joe, Joe and just explain. You want your free growth guide. So first come, first serve. We got the kids one, we got a student one, and we got the adult one here as a way for you to dive in spiritually. But this woman, this woman right here, had the confidence in the power of God that she knew something she struggled with for 12 years of her life, something no one could fix, would be healed if she was just able to touch Jesus. And Jesus puts the focus back on her. He says, it's because of your faith that you were healed. It was her faith that made this possible. Now, we know God is the ultimate healer, but why do we go to worldly solutions for spiritual problems? Scripture says, and this won't be on the screen, but Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, says we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds. Spiritual warfare or problems cannot be fixed by the world. They can only be healed by God. So if that's you now, if you're like this woman, you are hurting, nothing's helping, and you know deep down the things you use to numb the pain, to escape, only work for a little bit, you may need a spiritual reset. You may need that great faith that that woman had just to be in the presence of God. And if you don't have it, meeting with him will... Ignite a spark in your faith. Now, I know that maybe when I read the list of second commitments, you cringed a little bit when you heard financial. Maybe some of you did. I know finances can be a big stress point, and if you're like me, you kind of just prefer to avoid money topics and questions altogether. I never like to look at my bank account, but this year I challenged myself. I met with a financial advisor, and she was able to break things down in layman's terms, gave me really good advice, baby steps to get to my financial goals. But before I did that, I was guilty of something called girl math. If you don't know what girl math is, you're gonna know soon. And you don't have to be a girl to do this, these little rationalizations that we tell ourselves. So I'm gonna read down the list. And if you have ever done these things or you're still doing them, you may need to reset financially. So let me read through. You can silently agree. If you spend $100, but you had a $50 gift card, you've only spent $50 that's fair. If you spend $100, but you had $30 in cash, you've only spent 70. If you get cash you forgot about, that's free money. It must be a millennial thing because if I get cash that was never in my bank account, I look at that as free money. I also... If here's, here's a good one. This is not bad. If you're going to spend $15, the shipping is free, if you spend 30, you've saved money by spending $30. That's true because why would I pay for shipping when I can pay for a product? I don't know. If you take something back, you're making money. If you pre-bought tickets to an event months ago, and then you go to the event, it's basically free because you don't feel that spending. If you buy a purse for $500, but you use it every day, that breaks down to a a day, which is actually a really cheap purse. If you return something for 90 and then spend a hundred, you've only spent $10. And then lastly, if you buy something that you need, it's a necessity and it's on sale and you didn't buy it, you've just lost money. Now, I don't think some of those are that bad, but let's look to see what Scripture says about money. In Matthew six nineteen through 21, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." If you could right now, if I asked you to just close your eyes and think for a second, what do you value most? I think a lot of us maybe would say our families, our relationship with God, church, our pets, our kids, whatever it is. But if you really wanna be honest with yourself of what you value, look at your bank account statement. How are you spending your money? Who are you spending your money on? How do you invest your money? Are you hoping your future self? Are there ways you could be helping others? Are you tithing? These are all ways to evaluate what actually matters to us. And if you need to know, I would encourage you to print out a statement, see it on paper, it may be painful, but it also may be necessary to see where your money is going. We can say we care about our family more, but your bank account may reveal you care more about gambling. Or you can say you value your relationship with God but your bank account shows you love drinking more, you love partying more. What do you truly value? What do you truly treasure? You're gonna be able to know by looking at your bank. And I know that money and possessions, they can take such deep root in our identity that we forget it's not about the amount of money that defines our character, but it's how we use the money that God has given us that exposes who we are, where our hearts lie that defines our character, which is the opposite of what this world's gonna tell you. This world tells you that your worth can literally be numbered by your bank account balance, while God says it's not what you have, it's who you are. God established a beautiful ecosystem so we can bless others when we are blessed. That's what we should be seeking when it comes to our finances. And I know that it can be so easy to get caught up in the next hot item that everybody wants. But just recently, I was on social media and I saw a video pop up that was titled, Things Rich People Were Buying in the 90s. Now, I'm a 90s baby, so I remember some of this stuff. And some of it, I'm gonna read you off. There was a three-inch, three-inch, high-resolution LCD, not LED, LCD TV, that you could take in your car and put on the back for $600. There was another one that was a 46 inch home theater that, you know, went three feet back that was going for $2,000 in the nineties. When I was 12 in 2007, cell phones were just starting to become mainstream and all I wanted, I was in seventh grade, All I wanted was a cell phone. That was it. That was like, that's what I wanted for Christmas. If I didn't get it, I was going to be so disappointed. I convinced my parents, this is worth it. Can you get me one? It's for my safety. I need a cell phone. Finally, the last gift I opened on Christmas was a Virgin Mobile flip phone. (laughs) This was my prized possession. I literally couldn't breathe when I opened it. I was so excited. I don't even know how I used to text on this. I used to text without even looking, and now I can barely even function with. If someone were to give this to me, I wouldn't know what to do with it. And I bring this up to show us that these once coveted items, the things that people went into debt over that they compromise their values for are now trash. Those things are sitting in a landfill. They are useless. They are taking up space. They are collecting dust and people compromise themselves for that garbage that it's literally garbage now. And other people who couldn't afford it envied those products that now don't even matter. And history has a way of repeating itself. So if you, you know, if you save up for something, you budget for something, that's fine. But before you make that impulsive spending choice, think about, is this worth it? Will this matter? Because those things don't even matter anymore and we're on to the next. We're always on to the next. So take some time, pray before you make a big purchase, Be responsible with the finances that God has given you. Now, last year, I chose a physical reset because I wanted to find a form of exercise that me, as an adult, would love, and I needed to be motivated in these cold Michigan winters. So I did that, and I'm still doing that. So that's an example of something that I'm going to take with me, even from last year. Now, an example of a physical reset, a little different physical reset in the Bible, is about Elijah the prophet. And that comes from 1 Kings 19, and that says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Ruth Haley Barton writes about this passage in her book, Sacred Rhythms. And here's what she says. She says, I was comforted to find that even though Elijah, who was a great prophet, he had the same blind spot I was beginning to acknowledge in myself. He had let himself become so run down that God had to send an angel to strengthen his body. Before he could deal with anything else, the angel helped him. Pay attention to the condition of his body as a vehicle that would enable him to take the journey that lie ahead. And here's where it gets good. The angel even pointed out that if he did not care for his body, the journey to the presence of God would be too much for him. God was preparing Elijah for what was ahead by making him take care of himself physically. Now you may know I need a creative a routine of rest. I am go, 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 I am tired of the time, I'm exhausted, I'm short with people, I'm frustrated, I'm irritable, I need to rest. Maybe you know that, maybe your body's telling you that. A lot of times we think we don't need to rest, but then the problem is our body is gonna create that time of rest for us, whether we like it or not. When we're sick, when we're run down, we can't even get out of bed. So the choice is ours to make. Are you going to choose to have a routine of rest, like Elijah needed. Or maybe you need to get moving again. Maybe you're just, you're stuck on the couch and you need to get up and you need to move. Maybe you need to adjust with what you're using to nourish your body. Now we know we don't worship our bodies, but we certainly worship with our bodies. So if what you're consuming does not honor God, it may be time for a physical reset. Now our last reset that we're gonna talk about is relational. And last year during Reset, Becky, who's on staff, she's sitting in the back over there, she felt God was telling her to start a growth group through a relational Reset. So I'm going to read you a quote. There's a picture of her growth guide up on the screen. And she says, I didn't really want to commit to Reset. And I really didn't want to be there every morning at 6 a.m. But I made the commitment with my friend Cheryl, and we kept each other accountable. During Reset, I didn't really have a clear idea of which category I would choose to Reset. I went into the time praying that God would speak to me and that I would be open to hearing him. During reset, I was struck by the thought that had been a while since I served in my spiritual gift area. And I asked God to show me what my next step should be. Shortly after reset was over, I had a discussion with Jen about women who wanted to be in growth groups and that she was waiting for leaders. Immediately in my heart, I knew that was my next step. I talked to her again about leading a group with the help of my friend Cheryl and a growth group was born. My growth group has been an experience beyond what I could have planned on my own. We are a group that studies, prays, and supports each other. As we make an impact on our families and the community around us, we have seen miraculous things happen, answers to prayer, and we have grown spiritually and bonded together as women who love God and each other. All that came from Becky submitting to what God was asking of her. And I know that when we are hurting, when we are confused, maybe even convicted, it can be our default to isolate, not wanna be around people, but the good friends will help you along the way and they will build you up, but we have to make that step too. There's an example of amazing friends in Mark 2, 3 through 5 that says, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole around the roof above his head and then they lowered him down on the mat, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. I love that story. Those friends not only carried their friend to this place, they then carried him up the roof. There were no escalators, elevators. They had to physically carry him up the roof and then lower him down to Jesus. This takes incredible physical strength. It also takes incredible faith, too, to be willing to do this. And that's the type of friends we all want friends that would move mountains for us. But in order to have those godly friendships, we must be godly first. We must be that example. We need to commit to being around other people, being there for others, leading others, if that's your calling. We can't be best friends with everyone, but we can pour into the people God has placed in our lives. And I, hearing that story, we know that God intentionally placed those men in that paralyzed man's life. Because he knew he may need that faith. So it's not just who has God placed around you for you to influence us. Who has God placed around you to impact you, to deepen your faith when you're hurting, when you don't have the energy to give. These friends made up for that physical ailment that that friend had. And he was able to be healed because of their faith. So if you're not sure who God has placed around you, pray. He reveals that to you today who can you make an impact, who can help you, it is okay to recognize that the relationships we have are no longer serving us or helping us. And it is okay to draw a boundary if that is best for your spiritual, emotional, and mental health. We don't have to feel guilty for recognizing that relationships are no longer feeding into our spiritual life. Now this year I realize I want to do a spiritual reset. So What I'm going to do and what that looks like for me is I'm going to carve out time with God with no goals, no expectations, no necessary outcome, just time with God, me, him alone. But as you know, you can't just jump right into something. And I knew I'm not ready for an hour of solitude with God. I'm not ready for a weekend retreat of solitude with God, but I'm going to try five minutes, no distractions, no phone, no noise, just five minutes with God. I was able to do it, and I loved it, and I found myself looking forward to that time of stillness. Now I'm up to 15 minutes. So remember, when you pick your goals, it's okay to have bite-sized pieces to grow into something. We're not going to be experts tomorrow, but we can work towards that taking one baby step at a time. If you choose financial, pick one goal for the month of January. I'm going to do an automatic savings account. That's it. Come February, I'll look at my interest rate, see what my savings interest rate is, and then move it if I have to. Step two take it slow, talk to the right people, figure out a plan. Because if you do not have a specific reset or a specific step, it won't happen. You'll be on focus. You, sure, you won't be sure how to make that reset. So start thinking how do I want to specifically reset in this time? And prayfully consider what you want to do. Now, this year, they mentioned it in the welcome, we're going to have reset notebooks. And the reason we're doing this is because we want to help everyone be kept accountable. And so each week, there's going to be a place for you to journal how you kept your reset. And also keep in mind, these are completely free to anyone that attends reset. So you can grab them as a way to be held accountable. And then we also wanna honor commitment. So if you attend 14 out of the 17 week reset days, you're gonna get a free limited edition t-shirt because we wanna honor consistency, commitment, and community because nothing great is ever done alone. And that's why we meet every morning at 6 a.m. Every night, 6 p.m. Now, I know last year, like I said, it was my first year. And I didn't know if I could do those 6 a.m. gatherings. I was real worried. But once I got there and I got to worship with other people and start my day off in this time of worship, I felt energized. I felt fueled for my day. It actually helped me in my walk with God for those 24 days. And it kept going. So if you've never done Reset, I would encourage you, check it out, try it. It will change your life. It will change your relationship with God. Now, before I pray us out, I do want to say that at the end of the service, there will be a prayer team here for you at the bottom of the stage if you need prayer. I know the holidays are a difficult time. They're a time of grief, of expectations, sometimes of disappointment. And if you're not sure how to reset and you need prayer for that as well, they will be there for you at the end of the service. But right now, let's pray us out. God, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to live in each and every believer's heart, to be a spirit of renewal, of hope, of change. We know there is nothing that cannot be redeemed and healed with you. We are so grateful for a God who knows every inch of us, who is a firm foundation in our lives, but he still meets us every day with an unconditional love that will give us the strength to grow into who we are meant to be.